Hello, folks, and welcome to the weekly podcast of Independent Methodist Church in Macon, Mississippi. We hope that this message will bless your heart, draw you closer to Jesus Christ, and help you in your daily walk as you seek to serve our Lord. Thank you, ladies. As we uh, begin this morning, I want to turn to Second Chronicles, chapter thirty-four. Second Chronicles, chapter thirty-four is where we'll be. And the title of the message today is "Turn the Page." As we think about turning the page on twenty twenty and. I want to wish you a happy new year as we enter in. Second Chronicles 34 is where we'll be. 500 years ago today, on January 3rd, 1521, Martin Luther was excommunicated from the Roman Catholic Church by Pope Leo X. Luther was a, a German monk and he had grown increasingly opposed to some of the teachings that the Catholic Church had, had uh, started doing. And, and so four years earlier, Luther had nailed his 95 Theses on the door of the church at Wittenberg, Germany, spelling out some of his uh, concerns that he had. That was four years prior to his excommunication. Uh, he had spent a good bit of time over the years studying the scriptures and he had some real concerns about the authority that the Pope was being given and some of the practices that were taking place, especially the, the church's view on indulgences. Indulgences were basically a grant by the Pope to where he would say he's going to remit you from the temporal punishment of purgatory. And Luther had a real problem with that. In the Middle Ages, they began selling indulgences. And Martin Luther's actions in nailing those grievances on the door were in response to a priest, a Dominican priest named Johann Tetzel. He had been commissioned, Tetzel had been commissioned as a priest to, to go and raise funds to build the St. Peter's Basilica there in Rome. And so they came up with the idea to sell these indulgences to raise money to build St. Peter's Basilica. They were basically selling these indulgences and you could pay money to avoid the penalty of your sin in purgatory. You're basically buying forgiveness. Tetzel had a, a phrase that he coined. He said, as soon as the coin in the coffer rings, the soul from purgatory springs. And Luther knew this wasn't right. He spoke out against it and so many of the other things. And he, Luther preached salvation by grace alone, through faith alone in Jesus Christ. That's what he had come to believe, even though he had been trained in the Catholic faith and he, he was a monk there, and, but he began to study the Scriptures on his own and he became convinced that your works couldn't get you to heaven and you couldn't buy your way into heaven. That one man made a difference. Because of his nailing of those 95 theses on the door in Wittenberg, then we had the Protestant Reformation. As people began to split away from the, the Catholic faith and, 
and cleave to what Martin was preaching. One man can make a difference. One, one woman can make a difference. It's this time of the year, every year, where we want to try to make a difference. We want to do things differently than we did the year before. You may want to set up a resolution where you try to lose weight. A lot of people do that. Eat more salads. And go to bed earlier. Try to get healthier. And those often fail after a week or two. We may decide we're going to give more to charity. But it's at this time of the year where we try to make some kind of change. And I think most of us after the year that we've just been through are certainly ready for change. We're ready for things to change. We're, we're ready for things to get better. We've been through some challenging times this past year. As individuals, we've, we've seen family and loved ones that we and friends that we know pass away. Some due to the virus, some due to other causes. But we, I think everybody in this room has been touched in some way by losing a loved one or friend or co-worker. As a church, we've endured the, the hardships of different things this past year. Whether we stay open or not, whether we meet in person or not, whether we meet on the internet, whether we wear a mask or not, we face those challenges together. And so as we turn the page on the calendar and we begin to look toward this new year and we purpose in our minds to do differently than we did the previous year, we can make a difference. There was a, a guy that I worked with, I didn't know him well, but he was always at the top of the heap. In sales, that's where they, they measure you how you do. And he, he was an older gentleman and he, he was always well known in the state for being at the top of the heap. And this was some 20 years ago when I was new in the business and the district manager that we had at the time, they, they shifted the district around and this manager that, that I had all of a sudden was the manager over that county where this guy was over in the Delta. And, and I never will forget, he, he, he thought, well, I'm gonna find out something that I can really use. So he went over there that first, first working day of January that year and he said, Asked the guy, he said, well, what are you doing to get ready for the new year? You've got to, you're always at the top of the heap. You've got to have some, some magic formula. And the guy had a calendar on his desk, and he basically just took that calendar, just ripped that page of December off, and looked at him and stared. Didn't say a word. He just turned the page and do, keep doing what he was doing before. So this morning, as we think about doing things differently as, as we think about how we can make a difference. We're going to look at this passage in 2 Chronicles chapter 34 and look at a, a king by the name of Josiah in the southern kingdom of Judah. So we talk about turning the page to a new year, making positive changes individually and in our church and in our community. We're going to hopefully glean some truths out of the what Josiah did and how he changed that we can apply to our lives today. So let's read there Second Chronicles chapter 34. And what we're going to do, this is a long chapter. I'm just going to read a few verses and we're going to talk about some things and then we'll read a few more. 
So just keep your Bible open to 2 Chronicles 34. Let's begin together as we read. Verse 1, Josiah was eight years old when he became king, and he reigned in Jerusalem 31 years. He did what was right in the eyes of the Lord and walked in the ways of his father David, not turning aside to the right or to the left. In the eighth year of his reign, while he was still young, he began to seek the God of his father David. And I'll stop right there. Josiah had uh, come to the throne at age eight. Now, if we look back in prior chapters, you don't have to turn there, but Josiah's father was Manasseh, an awful king, wicked, evil. His, that was his grandfather. His father was named Ammon, even worse. And so these two men were, were the ones that he would have grown up seeing, but his grandfather was on the throne for the first six years of Josiah's life. And then Ammon was on the throne for two years. So Josiah was only eight. And his grandfather and father were both gone. I don't know that they had a whole lot of influence on him. I don't remember a whole lot prior to age six. I don't remember a whole lot prior to age eight. Some happy times is about it. Little snippets of, of memories. But I don't, you look through the scriptures, if they did have any influence at all on Jos Josiah, it wouldn't have been a good influence. It says there in, in the previous chapter, verse 2, Manasseh did evil in the eyes of the Lord, following the detestable practices of the nations the Lord had driven out before the Israelites. And then in verse 21 of that chapter before, Ammon did evil in the eyes of the Lord as his father Manasseh had done. And then it said in verse 23, Ammon increased his guilt. So these were two wicked kings. Prior to, prior to Josiah coming to the throne. First thing we want to notice about Josiah's life as he came to the throne at age 8, says he began to seek God. We, first thing we want to do if we want to make a change is to pursue God. In verses 3 there it says, in the eighth year of his reign, while he was still young, he began to seek the God of his father, David. In the eighth year of his reign, he was 16 years old. Young man. This is all where it starts. He pursues God. That's where we start. If we want to make a change, we pursue God. Jeremiah 29, verses 11 through 13 says, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future. Then you will call on me and come and pray to me. And I will listen to you. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. That's Jeremiah 29, 11 through 13. Now let me ask you a question. What comes first? Us pursuing God or God pursuing us? What comes first? I would submit to you that God pursues us first. He pursues us. Isaiah 65 is a passage of Scripture here if you want to jot it down. Verses 1 through 3, God's Word says, I revealed myself to those who did not ask for me. I was found by those who did not seek me. To a nation that did not call on my name, I said, here I am, here I am. All day long I've held out my hands to an obstinate people 
who walk in ways not good, pursuing their own imaginations, a people who continually provoke me to my very face, offering sacrifices in gardens and burning incense on altars of brick. He pursues us. He pursues us. But He's not going to force Himself on us. We've got to open the door. Revelation 3 and verse 20, we cite that many times. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man open the door, I'll come into him. He's pursuing us. He's wanting us to choose him. And that's just what Josiah did at age 16. Scripture says he began to seek the Lord. He pursued the Lord. That's what he did. Let me ask you another question this morning. When you assess your life, how fervently are you seeking God today? How fervently are you seeking God? That's where it all starts. We're to pursue God. He's pursuing us. Proverbs 8 and verse 17 says, God says, I love those who love me and those who seek me find me. Do you love God this morning? God makes us a promise there. He says, He loves us and if we seek Him, we will find Him. We're to pursue God. If we're going to make a change, Josiah began to seek God at age 16. He decided he wanted to make a change from what he had seen growing up. His father and grandfather, he wanted to make a change. So if we're going to make a spiritual change in our life, the first step is to pursue God. Secondly, we have to purge sin from our life. We pursue God first, we, then we purge the sin from our life. Look at that verse there starting there in the second half of verse 3. It says, In his twelfth year he began to purge Judah and Jerusalem of the high places, the Asherah poles, the carved idols and cast images. Under his direction the altars of the Baals were torn down. He cut to pieces the incense altars that were above them and smashed the Asherah poles, the idols, and the images. These he broke to pieces and scattered over the graves of those who had sacrificed to them. He burned the bones of the priests on their altars, and so he purged Judah and Jerusalem. In the towns of Manasseh, Ephraim, and Simeon, as far as Naphtali, and in the ruins around them, he tore down the altars and the Asherah poles and crushed the idols to powder and cut to pieces all the incense altars throughout Israel. Then he went back to Jerusalem. We've got to purge sin from our life. Josiah, was he looked around and he saw all the sinful ways that were going on in the land. Things that his father and grandfather had allowed to happen. And he didn't like them. Because he started pursuing God. And he realized how awful things were in his own life and in the life of the country. And so, secondly, he purged sin. He tore down all these high places and these altars. When you and I draw near to God, when we pursue God, then the byproduct of that is we're going to see things in our life that ought not be there. Things that ought to be purged from our lives. We realize our sin. When we draw, draw closer to the light, things become more visible. Ephesians 3, uh, 5 and verse 13 says, but everything exposed to the light becomes visible. We have to purge sin from our life. Our sin separates us from God. 
Isaiah 59 verse 2 says, But your iniquities have separated you from God. Your sins have hidden His face from you so that He will not hear. Well, we can't do it on our own. We have to purge the sin from our life, but we can't do it on our own. We have to ask Him for help. We can't do it on our own. We can't live a life free from sin, can we? 1 John 1 and verse 8 says, If we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. I read a story of a man who had a parrot. He got a parrot as a gift, and the parrot had really nasty language. Just profane words would come out of this parrot's mouth. And the man tried everything he could to try to get the parrot to quit talking so ugly. He said, well, maybe if I talk to him real sweet and I just just say kind things to the bird, maybe he'll he'll change. And so he, he spent several days just saying the sweetest things to this parrot. And this parrot just kept on with the ugly words. Nasty talk. And finally, he couldn't take it anymore. And he, he yelled at the bird, and the bird yelled back. He screamed at the bird, and the bird screamed back. And finally, he just couldn't take it. He grabbed the bird, and he threw it in the freezer and slammed the door. And he heard the parrot in the freezer squawk, squawking and scratching around. And then all of a sudden, it got silent after a few minutes. And he got worried. He thought, oh, I've killed the bird. So he opened the freezer back here, and the bird comes out, and just kind of walk, walks up his arm and he looks at him and he says, kind sir, I'm so sorry that I have been talking so ugly to you. Please forgive me. I'll try to do better. And the man thought, where is this coming from? And the parrot said, sir, by the way, may I ask one question of you, please, sir? What happened to the turkey? What did he do? <laughs> the parrot made a change. He decided to make a change. But we can't do that on our own. It's only through the power of the Holy Spirit that we can make a change. John, 1 John 2 in verses 1 and 2 says, My dear children, I write this to you that you will not sin, but if anybody does sin, we have an advocate with the Father. Jesus Christ the righteous, He is the atoning sacrifice for our sins, and not only for ours, but also for the sins of the whole world. Now, if I have to be honest with you, there's some sins that, in my life that I have tried to get rid of in my own strength in the past and failed and failed and failed again. And it wasn't until I said, Lord, I can't do this. I'm going to lay them at your feet. And He took care of them. And I can look back over the course of my life and see things that I laid at Jesus' feet that used to be a problem for me that I struggled with and I tried to deal with it on my own, in my own strength, and failed. But he took care of it. But there's still things in my life that I struggle with each and every day. And I just have to trust him and say, Lord, you're going to have to handle this. Help me in some way. Throw up a roadblock in my mind, in my heart, so that I might not sin against you. And he will do it. What about you this morning? As you sit here, the Holy Spirit may be bringing things to your mind and to your heart that you know need to change. And God's Word says we're to purge the sin from our life. But it's only through the, the power of the Holy Spirit that we can do that. And He'll give us, that, give us that ability. He'll give us the strength to do it. 
Paul wrote to the Corinthians in 1 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse 13, No temptation has overtaken you except what is common to mankind. And God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted, He'll also provide a way so that you can endure it. That's a promise from God. We can't do it in our own strength. We can't purge the sin from our life without His strength and His power. Laying it at His feet and saying, God, I know I need to change. I know there's something in my life that I, I really am struggling with. I need to lay it at Your feet. And confess it. And He'll do it. We have to pursue God. We have to purge the sin from our life. If we're going to make a spiritual change and seek revival in our own life and the revival in our church and in our community, thirdly, we need to pour over God's Word. Pour over His Word. Look there with me in verse 14 of that chapter 34. It says, While they were bringing out the money that had been taken into the temple of the Lord, Hilkiah the priest found the book of the law of the Lord that had been given through Moses. Hilkiah said to Shaphan the secretary, I have found the book of the law in the temple of the Lord. He gave it to Shaphan and Shaphan took the book to the king and reported to him, Your officials are doing everything that has been committed to them. They've paid out the money that was in the temple of the Lord and have entrusted it to the supervisors and workers. Then Shaphan the secretary informed the king, Hilkiah the priest has given me a book. And Shaphan read from it in the presence of the king. When the king heard the words of the law, he tore his robes. He gave these orders to Hilkiah, Ahiakim son of Shaphan, Abdon son of Micah, Shaphan the secretary, and Isaiah the king's attendant. Go and inquire of the Lord for me and for the remnant in Israel and Judah about what is written in this book that has been found. Great is the Lord's anger that is poured out on us because our fathers have not kept the word of the Lord. They have not acted in accordance with all that is written in this book. Now you would think on this first reading, they were in the temple. You would think that it wouldn't have been a surprise to find the book of the law in the temple. But you remember we talked about when we first started, his father and grandfather had let the temple fall into disrepair. They had allowed idol worship to continue and increase during their reign. And so this quite possibly might have been the first time that Josiah had ever heard the word. And we see what happened. He tore his robes. He realized his sin. He realized how awful things were. God's word, when we pour over it, it has an effect on our life. It has an effect. Isaiah 55 and verse 11, My word that goes out from my mouth will not return to me empty. God's word has an effect. It cuts us to the heart. Look there in verse 21. It caused him to be cut to the heart and to go and inquire the Lord. Seek the guidance of the Lord because he was cut to the heart. It's the same thing that happened in Acts chapter 2 when Peter stood up at the day of Pentecost and he preached that first sermon. In Acts 2 and verse 37, the people heard it and they were cut to the heart, Scripture says. And they asked, brothers, what shall we do? 
Josiah was cut to the heart because he had poured over the Word of God. He had heard it and it changed him. You see, when you and I get into the Word of God, it changes us from the inside out. It shines light on our sin. Wants us, makes us want to seek the Lord that much more. All these things are interconnected, you see. We make a decision to pursue God. Then as we get closer to God, we're going to want to purge the sin from our life. And when we do that, we're going to start pouring over His Word more. And when we pour over His Word more, it's going to shine more light on our sin. It's going to cause us to pursue Him that much further. It's all interconnected. So as we enter this new year this morning, think about the things that we've gone through, the things that we've seen in the past as we turn the page on the calendar. We seek to serve Him better in the year to come. 2021 is laid out before us like a blank slate. And it's up to us to choose to pursue God. To purge the sin from our life and pour over His Word. Will you make that commitment with me today? You'll do just that. One man, one woman, one person making a change can make a difference. As we saw in the life of Martin Luther, we see here in the life of Josiah that one person choosing to make a change will make a difference. We have to take that step, choose to follow him. Let's pray together. Father, give us the desire in our heart to seek you more fervently in the in days and weeks and months to come than we have in the past. Shine a light on our sin, Lord, where we have things in our lives that we need to change. Help us to get into Your Word more this year than we were last year. Father, help us, give us a desire for Your Word. Draw us closer to You and closer to one another as we seek to serve You in this church, in this community and in our homes and in our individual lives, Lord. Forgive us where we failed to do that in the past. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.